0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm thrilled that you're able to join us. If you liked our opening song, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. For those that are new to our show, Alzheimer's Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to have real conversations with real people. Many of you um, may or may not know that September is World Alzheimer's Month and Alzheimer's Disease International will be launching their world report on getting diagnosed, which I think will be really interesting. Today's show is in sponsorship with the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team and the friends of the Ramsey County Libraries. And so I thank them so much. We're going to have a really interesting show talking with a clown here in just a bit. But before I introduce our guest, I always like to do a couple of shout outs. One is to Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory, which is free for anyone to use. You, um, there's no sign in, no account, nothing like that. We have about 150 categories that you can check out. Also, if you have a resource, product, or tool and want to be part of that, please, please check that out as well. I want to give out a shout out to Project CARE. They are looking for some more people to be in their study. You need about 50 more people. You can be compensated up to $255. This is for CARE partners. You can get more information by going to CARE during covid at rice.edu. They're really trying to figure out stress levels, so there'll be short surveys uh, to take throughout the day, just checking on kind of mental health and, you know, how you're feeling about your caring journey. I also want to give a shout out to Brookdale North Oaks. We do a Caregiving Connect group the last Wednesday of each month from 10 to 11 central, and anybody is welcome to join us. Also, Arthur's Senior Care sponsors Arthur's Memory Cafe, which we do on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. That is virtual, and anyone can attend that. Also, we recently had on Compassion and Choices. They have an event coming up um, September 22nd. It's virtual from 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. That is Making Your Wishes Known. And then on October 6th at 7 p.m. Eastern, uh, they are going to have their annual conference. Two more things. Check out the org. They need brains both healthy and diseased. If we want to find a treatment, we need those brains. And then on November 2nd, there's going to be a conference which is sponsored by the dementia research charity called Brace. And it's going to be exploring dementia challenges globally. So you can register for that. And again, you can find more information by going to alzheimerspeaks.com. Introducing the life-changing foot bar walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky and I'm 91 years old. The foot bar walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000.
1: Does someone you love
0: use a walker? Do they struggle excited to introduce our guest today. And again, that is thanks to the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team, along with the friends of the Ramsey County Library. Um, we have been doing these specials during the pandemic and hope that you find this one just as valuable as the others. So today I'm here to introduce you to Shannon Calcutt, and she is a multi award winning performer and instructor. Shannon has conducted workshops in clowning and play around the world. She is a regular instructor at Cirque du Lay and Celebration Barn Theatre and the Vegas Theatre Hub. So welcome Shannon thrilled for you to be with us today.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Lori.
0: Well, I know we're going to have some fun today, and also it, this is going to be educational to to boot as well. I always ask every everyone on my show, first off, if they've been personally touched by dementia in their own family or circle of friends. So if you wouldn't mind sharing that, it makes no difference what your answer is. It's just a nice space for our audience.
1: I have been affected personally. Yes, my mother, Rose, has Lewy body dementia. So she was diagnosed about 5 years ago. So that's certainly my personal connection with dementia.
0: Yep, that's a close one. My mom lived with it for 30, not Lewy body, but but Alzheimer's disease. So let's talk about your background a little bit with the with the clowning and has that helped you deal, you know, with caring for your mom with dementia?
1: Absolutely. It helps me with everything in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, truly. And my mother has a wonderful sense of humor, and uh, that's also helped. But yeah, I mean, in clown, as a clown, you don't take yourself seriously. Do you know what I mean? And you, you know, in everyday life, we try to hide our flaws. We don't want to make mistakes. We're clowns. We flaunt our flaws. (laughs) We show you our flaws. And uh, so that you can forget your own, you know. So we have no fear of failing as a clown. So there's a true freedom. So I think as a caregiver, or just as somebody, you know, living your life, you know, if you're not afraid of failure, if you're not consistently trying to get it right, you're just going to have an easier time. And we also, in clown, you live in the moment, you're not looking back, and you're not looking forward, you're just in the moment. So I think too, you know, just dealing with dementia, sometimes we get really attached to the way our person was like why isn't my mom acting this way or why you know we used to do this together and it was so easy so that's in the past and we're so attached to that and then we worry about the future oh is it going to get worse are they going to you know lose their ability to communicate with me what's going to happen and so again neither of those feelings looking back or forward are serving us in the moment they're just making our lives difficult again i think it's super helpful to just be in the moment be present and yeah just just acceptance do you know, accepting things for how they are at this time and enjoying this moment to its fullest and clown. If you are depressed, you have absolute joy of being depressed. You know, you don't deny yourself your true feelings. If you're angry, you have joy being angry. If you're fearful, you have joy being fearful, whatever that emotion is. So again, it's just really trying to be present for yourself and for the person you're with. And, oh, I it's, I can't imagine living my life without clowning humor i would be I'd be dead a hundred times over quite honestly <laughs> well you know
0: those are wonderful comments and i think there's been a lot of talk in the industry about learning improv and <laughs> improv i think is really intimidating versus the word clowning yeah. because clowning i think everyone takes that as being fun and as being silly and a little a little lighter And in right or wrong, I I think people probably think clowning doesn't have as many rules to it as improv has a a structure, you know, to follow this and, and do that. When you mentioned no fear of failure, I think that is just massively, massively huge. And to me, you know, my mom lived with the disease for 30 years. That was one of the biggest gifts she taught me was not having that fear of failure, you're you're much better to try and progress versus standing still and trying to be perfect. And then launching because it's it's never ever going to be perfect all the time. Life wasn't before dementia. And it it, it surely isn't when it hits. And yet we hold ourselves to that standard.
1: So we forget that somehow we forgot that life pre-diagnosis was not perfect. (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly, and my (laughs) life sure hasn't been, and I haven't met anybody who's, who's is, so there's a lot of people, and I think there's a lot more projection in this day and age of um, really living the perfect life, and, you know, posting all the perfect Mm -hmm. little things, and
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Our edited photos of our enhanced lives on social media. Do you know? Yep. So it's just about being real, isn't it? And I think, I mean, that's great. You know, you saying that maybe people are intimidated by improv or that, yeah, there's these rules and that it's a skill, do you know, where clown you know, we set the rules in clown so that we know when we're breaking them. <laughs> <Do you know? laughs> it's all about breaking the rules. And also, you know, if you're working as an actor, there are skills involved. Of course, there's tons of skills for clowns. If clowns <laughs> are listening, yes, yeah. <laughs> you're a highly skilled performer. But really, it's about pretending. And for me, pretending's not a skill. All children pretend. So all of us can pretend mm-hmm. and we can play. And if you can pretend and play and use your imagination, you're a thousand times ahead of the game. And that's really about what clown is. It's just playing. And I truly think we can solve the world's problems through play and just using our imagination. And I remember when I moved uh, with my mom into assisted living, it was the hardest time but ever uh, the hardest weekend of my life without a doubt and we went to the dining room and we sat down with two ladies we hadn't met and I'll say Esther and Mabel and we sat down and the woman came to take our order and uh, the, the meal came and my mom said I um, what kind of mashed potatoes were these and Esther said oh they're garlic and my mom said I don't taste any garlic and Mabel said no you have to use your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, and she said, after 70, for some reason, they don't believe that you have a palate anymore. And these taste buds, do you know, and so it was just that sense of sitting there going, well, this has been such a difficult weekend. Why? Because we're focusing on grief, we're focusing on what's not working, instead of just playing and celebrating the re- ridiculousness of this situation of you know moving my mom into this suite spending the night on a cot in her room you know going into a dining hall and having to pretend that there's garlic in these potatoes you know (laughs) And, and and so it's just again that sense of play and that these ladies that we could all sit at a table and laugh about this instead of feel terrible it's just finding the ridiculousness and and really celebrating our humanness and and that we're all in it together we're all just doing our best and to have some fun to really have fun and laugh together
0: yeah I think that is one of the worst things that that to me I see families go through is losing that sense of joy or being able to laugh or you know somebody don't say that that's not funny if your friend did that, you would like be cutting the gut open, just belly laughing. To me, that's one of the core things of bringing us into relationships to not take life so seriously and to say things aren't always perfect, you know? I, I also loved when you talked about children because they're just natural. They just want somebody to play with. And as adults, we were taught to, to take life so seriously, get out of that phase. You know, yeah. every, everything in life's not funny, Lori. You know, <laughs> come
1: on, yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, don't say that even you know, it's like stop, stop kidding around, stop goofing around. Don't be so dramatic, right? So these are the things we're told in school, even as kids. Do you know? Even when my son, I remember he he went into grade one, and my daughter's two years older. And I was, how was school today? And he said it's really hard because you know, they didn't have the playtime, they had recess now. And it was hard to make friends. And my daughter said, yeah, it was so easy in Mrs. Stone's room in kindergarten, because there was the puppet station. And so there was 12 puppets. So you knew you could go there. And this, the kitchen station had five kids. And, do you know, and I'm thinking grade one, it's harder. In grade one, it's harder to play because there's not enough time. So forget about your 40s, your 50s, your 60s. If it's six years old, it's already. Playtime is this short now. We've got to get to work. We've got to get on with it. Wow. It's ridiculous. So... And again, even as performers, we can take ourselves too seriously. It's like if I go into the playroom and and my kids are playing, and you know my son has a broken arm. I know, okay, I'm the doctor, and that's it. Get to it, fix the arm, do you know. Or if it falls off, okay, now I know I'm a bad doctor. But even as a performer, you think, okay, I'm playing the doctor. All right, how long have I been practicing medicine? Um, what happened just before I walked into this ER room? Um, what's my relationship with the nurse? Are we having an affair? Do you know what I mean? It's like we call I mean? complicated so much again it's like just play in the moment just see the other person in the room and react and play we make it so um like this high you know skill that it's just this extraordinary it's like just have a good time yeah play just make an offer and have it have it be accepted and and be willing to say yes to, to that person's dumb idea. You know, when I do my workshops, you have to take an oath at the beginning. You have to, I would have to say, Laurie, I'm going to say yes to your dumb ideas. And you would say, thank you, Shannon. I'm going to say yes to your dumb ideas. And I would say, thank you and mean it. You also have to say, I've got your back and I'm here to make you look good. And I think that really applies to to being a caregiver as well, because it takes the pressure off again. It's like, I'm here to make you look good. So no longer am I thinking about myself looking good. No longer am I thinking about getting it right. I'm just here to make you look good. And I've got your back. And I'm going to say yes to your dumb idea. So again, someone with dementia whose brain is dying, uh, it's not that they're saying something that's stupid, they're taking longer to say something because they need that extra time. And so by me saying, I'm here to say yes, I'm here to make you look good, I've got your back. I now am not thinking, okay, come on, hurry up, get it out. what did you say what I'm just waiting with grace and generosity and kindness take all the time you need. and if it comes out wrong, fantastic yeah, I say things wrong. Every day of my life things come out wrong and I my brain is not dying. I mean I wonder what kind of shape it's in, but I don't have dementia. So do you know it's like just agreeing that we can be fools together, that we can be foolish, that we can make mistakes. It's like right away there's a lightness in the room. Again, we're not desperate to get it right. And I have no patience. That's my worst virtue. So just helps me to go, okay, just wait. Just offer your time here and it's going to make things so much simpler. And then we can laugh. I mean, my mom, she's lovely. I'll ask her something and I'll wait and I'll wait and then I'll say hello. And she just laughs hysterically every time because it it takes that long for her to process the question. and, And then she just laughs and laughs and laughs and it takes the pressure off her having to be quick. And why does she have to be quick? That's the other thing. Why do we need this automatic like? I shouldn't know the answer before you ask the question. Otherwise, I'm anticipating, Do you know, so it's like to give each other this time, but we're so rushed during this time for me, COVID, it's just been such an eye opener of time and what can happen and what we can achieve when we take time.
0: Oh, I agree. Again, you made uh, such great points. I, I want to go back to your point about joy getting in that moment and and creating joy for the one you're caring for. I think what we fall into, I know I did without knowing it. I was, when it came to creating joy and peace, I, I think, I think I mixed that up with acceptance of others, being a people pleaser. And so even though we think we're doing everything for this, this person with dementia, we got our, you know, we're like peeking over our shoulder going, who's watching and what are they thinking? And, mm. and that clamps us down. And that gets us worried about failing again. And, and so I think there's joy within ourselves. There's, there's joy we're trying to create for someone else or to keep them mellow so they don't attack. Because I think there's a really big fear in that. And then there's joy of the person that we're, that we're truly caring for. Mm. And, you know, those are lessons that typically we all learn the hard way. My processing that and going, hmm, why isn't this working the way I thought? And even just bringing up those levels of how are we positioning our joy? Getting someone to think about that, I think, opens up the, the door for change, gives them the permission. I'll never forget one instance with my mom. I'm a firm believer in that we need to use basically uh, sensory to help them engage. It gives them more, more strings to pull at. And so I would, you know, when I would enter the room and exit the room, we had a little saying and, you know, at the end, it would be after a while and she'd say crocodile. And I remember being scolded by a couple of people. That's childish. That's baby. You shouldn't do that. I'm like, look at her face. She is pure joy. She is happy. She's gone back in time. This is something she taught my daughter. So her granddaughter this is something she said to her three kids. This is something her mom told her and probably her mom's mom. This is a huge joyful memory string. And you're telling me I can't use that because you're uncomfortable with it. <laughs> yes. Go away. Yeah. Exactly. It, you know, but I mean, I, I remember kind of putting that person in 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 their place because I it yeah. frustrated me so bad that people were judging. On Good. that level, it's like you have no idea who my mom is, what's going on. You are just automatically putting a label there and you 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 know nothing about our relationship.
1: No, and that's just it. And it's just playing together. So you were playing with your mom. That's what you were doing. It shouldn't matter how old you are. I mean, gosh, you know, it's just ridiculous how we stop playing at a certain age. When you laugh together, you're connected. There's that saying that laughter is the shortest distance between two people, do you know? And mm-hmm. so, for her to smile or for her to have a giggle or for her to have that connection or that wonderful memory and for someone to judge it is, is extraordinary to me. And so good for you for saying something because my gosh, if you can laugh, It boosts your energy, it boosts your spirit, it it promotes help, it lowers your anxiety. I mean, there's a program in Israel where you can go to study medicine and clowning. If you're a clown, you study nursing. If you're a nurse, you study clowning. And they have, you know, the hospital and the school together. And the people going in for surgery, they can, they, the doctors cannot, the surgeons cannot begin surgery. And that patient cannot go in the room until they get the okay from the clowns. And as a result, those people recover from their surgeries 90% faster because they go into that surgery room with very, very little to zero anxiety. Wow. Because they've been with the clowns and they're laughing as they are gurneyed into that room. I mean, science will back me up. You know? Yeah. It's like laughter, I mean you the the old expression it's the best medicine but it, it also just connects us and
0: mm-hmm.
1: our differences are gone right? It doesn't matter, you you know, the, the, the color of your skin, your sexual preference, your political beliefs, your your religious upbringing, we can just laugh together. And in that moment, nothing else matters. We are sharing an emotion, we are sharing a release. And for however long that laugh lasts, we have forgotten about all our worries, yeah. which is yeah. why we watch funny movies. It's why we go to see stand-up comedians. Yeah, you're just having that moment with your mom, so joyful. And then for someone else to judge it, that you're being, it's like, yeah, you're right. I'm being silly. I'm being ridiculous. I'm being playful. That's exa- you're a hundred percent correct. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, and, and look, it's working, right? We feel Yeah. Good.
0: Well, I, there was another time in that I would have missed out if I wouldn't have been silly with my mom. That was still probably one of the most poignant times in her 30 year disease She was probably a couple years from dying, but at that point, she wasn't communicating much at all. She was sleeping in her bed, and it had been really dark and kind of gloomy for almost two or three weeks here, which is rare. And so she's laying in her bed, and the sun is shining in, and she's kind of like Garfield the cat. She's laying in bed with this big smile on her face, but her shirt's like tucked under her boobs and her wow. pants are down to her crotch and her belly's exposed. And she just like absorbing the sun. And there was like a curtain between the other bed and hers. And I could see she was laying down and I turned that, cor- that corner and I see her like that. And I just I just burst out laughing. And I said, well, mom, do I have to pull out your bikini for you or what? <laughs> and uh, out of a dead sleep, she opened her eyes, she giggled, and she said, oh, Lori, I don't think I should be wearing a bikini. She hadn't said my name in like three years. Wow. I sat on a bed and I sobbed, but without that silliness, I wouldn't have ever had that wonderful moment.
1: Isn't that beautiful?
0: Oh, yeah. And so I, I don't think people oh, yeah. understand what they're leaving on the table By being so serious. And we're taught to control things and be organized. And it's like, hey, guys, uh, dementia doesn't run that way. (laughs) It does what it wants when it wants. And,
1: you know, it might
0: work today. It might not work five minutes from now. And it might work five months from now. You don't
1: You don't know. Yeah. Make your plans and then have a giggle because they're not going to go the way you planned. I think there's that sense. I remember reading an article about a guy with dementia who is living in a hotel instead of assisted living. And he was doing this because he was treated like a customer um, rather than a patient. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something there as well. Do you know that we take it seriously and that we've got to act a certain way and that you're a caregiver or whatever your role is. But again, these aren't patients. Do you know what I mean? These are, these are people. Uh, what I've heard from every doctor we've, we've seen, and I've said it myself, which is even worse, but yes, you, you have Louis by dementia and it, it's only going to get worse. Do you yep. know? And it's like, who says that to anybody about anything? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When it came came out of the doctor's mouth, I thought that's horrible. And then I I'm repeating it, and and just that awareness of right, this isn't a life sentence. This is a challenge. Like we are all given challenges in our lives. And I, of course, I don't wish this disease on anyone. I don't want anyone to have this challenge. But if if it happens to come upon you then again how do you want to look at it and you know one thing that I've found helpful because a lot of people don't understand uh, what dementia is I I don't fully understand what dementia is but just to say that my mother's brain is dying that's what we'll say sometimes her brain is dying like let's just celebrate every moment and have fun and not focus on again the seriousness of the situation I think we need to understand the situation, absolutely, because there are needs, you know, that there weren't before. But gosh, I mean, you've got to have fun and joy or no life is worth living.
0: Yeah, we don't seem to value our elders like we do vintage cars or vintage wines or whatever. And, yeah. you know, we need to bring it up a notch, um, several notches when it comes to it, to being human and how we yeah. care for one another. How did clowning help you, or maybe it didn't, during COVID, you know, with all the changes, and, you know, were you able to still see your mom, or <clears throat> were, were they in shutdown?
1: Uh, my mom came to visit me in March, just a week before everything sort of shut down here. And she was here for four months. She was sort of trapped here because of COVID. So that was wonderful, because we had four months together, and I wasn't working. Um, which has never happened, although my kids were also home from school. (laughs) So I was doing school and, you know, all the rest of that as well and and helping the kids adjust. But we had that time together and clowning. I mean, during COVID, I was performing with Cirque Soleil for 15 years and then during COVID, Um, We learned our show was not going to reopen. So I sort of pivoted during COVID. Before I learned that, I thought, in the meantime, what am I going to do? Mm -hmm. And I had gotten a lot of requests to teach on Zoom. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And clown is an art form where you need an an audience. It's all about connection and fearless conversation. So it was this thing where for years I've been asked to teach virtually and thought well that's not going to work and then now I thought well you better try it clown <laughs> <You better laughs> I was in a group of clown instructors we met every Saturday and one of the instructors said take a workshop virtually uh, be a participant and I did and I learned what not to do <laughs> I saw you know master teachers doing the same exercises they've done for 30 years in this um, environment and super frustrated it wasn't working so I decided to do all new material I built a workshop called virtual playground and had people, you know, I do one game, three strikes are out where I'll say in my house, I have a toaster. Everyone runs, brings back a toaster. The last one back gets a strike, but you can convince us, you know, if you don't have a toaster, you can bring something else, convince us it's a toaster and, and hold your place. So it just got people moving, you know? And so many people, I've never had my, my bicycle in my bedroom, you know, cause we're all in zoom. Somebody's in the kitchen, someone's in their bedroom. Uh, the roommates are going, what's going on? Do you know the laughter, the movement? And it, it made people see their space different because you're trapped in this space, do you know, and the energy moved. And so that was a huge pivot for me in COVID. And in that sense, again, like I connected with people and my world became bigger because now people who wanted to work with me as an instructor that lived in New York or lived in Spain, I lived in Maine or Texas. They didn't have to travel here. So suddenly I had this international community and uh, I taught at the clown school in LA virtually. I had, I don't know how many doctors, pediatricians, surgeons just saying how they just needed it. They just needed to love. I had lawyers who said, I'm, I'm so serious every day. I just want to be ridiculous. And it was just a real fun playground. So that helped me tremendously i think in covid to connect with people that way and and to really be making a difference for people i mean one woman's her husband said he hadn't heard her laugh like that in years. And here she is in her bedroom on a on a Zoom call with 12 people <laughs> she'd never met in her life and now at the end of a, a four week workshop she's you know meeting with and chatting with and having Zoom coffee dates with and do you know it really fostered a sense of community. And that was an eye opener as well just everyone sharing that they couldn't go out. This was when COVID at the beginning here, you know, we our groceries were delivered We didn't go to restaurants. We couldn't see friends, Mm -hmm. pre-vaccines. And it sort of made me go, oh my gosh, this is what my mother went through by herself. Do you know, I went through that. I can't go get groceries when I want. I can't drive to visit friends when I want. I went through it with the entire world. The entire world stopped. And Shannon Calcutt experienced that with the entire world. My mom went through that by herself and the world didn't slow down for her right? The world slowed down for me and there were services I could call that didn't slow down for my mom. She was still expected to get to that grocery store and and to go to her haircut and and just that sense of, right, like she can't drive any longer. She doesn't have a driver's license. She can't just go out when she wants to. If she wants to go shopping, she needs assistance in the Mm -hmm. dressing room. She needs that help. And it was just a real eye opener because I I truly did empathize when when we were going through the move to assisted living, but I realized how I have no I have truly no understanding of what she was going through. She left her home; she lost her sense of freedom, which is what we all lost in COVID. Yeah, people with dementia, you know, the, the world didn't stop for them. And when they go now to to the grocery store, and they're taking longer to pay and everyone behind them is rushed do you know where um, we all slowed down together so again it was just that sense of going wow like I don't understand and I think of myself as someone who's quite aware Mm -hmm. and I'm witnessing my mother go through this and I still had really truly no understanding of what she lost that sense of freedom and and it took a global pandemic (laughs) You know, I mean, I'm sad to say it It took a global pandemic for me to go, okay, I get it. I get it. I still can't understand. My brain isn't dying, but I get the sacrifice and I get the extraordinary change that we will all now, I mean, be a bit more compassionate and have an understanding. Even recently, she said that she watched a video, these cat videos she watches, and, and it said that cats, they eat, they sleep, and they play. And she said, you know what I'm doing here? I'm eating and sleeping. And I thought, yeah, she needs to get out and play. And she needs that connection. And that's what we were all missing in COVID is this social connection. And again, these people with dementia have have not had that connection for years.
0: Yep. Well, and you know, we at least have technology and stuff to rely on many of them can't or haven't in the past. I I do think that's one of the gifts of COVID where where people realize the importance of being connected, the importance of slowing down and enjoying their families again. And and it really was a forced time because if it was just a week or two, it wouldn't have had the impact. Now granted, we're going 18 months, it's getting a little old. (laughs) And all this stuff, and we're opening up a little bit, but that's it's kind of still hanging out there with these new viruses. And it it is really interesting to see how everyone is adjusting to this. Do you have some suggestions for caregivers on how to help them kind of keep their sense of perspective and humor during these challenging times?
1: Yeah, I think laugh truly just laugh and it sounds ridiculous and you might feel silly but if you just lie on your floor and close the door and laugh and just start laughing and continue to laugh and continue to laugh it has the same benefit to your health than if you go to watch your favorite comedian you can fool your body into laughing right and and your brain is fooled and it alters your brain and it alters your state of mind so if you can just laugh if you can just giggle if you can share a laugh with someone else fantastic but you know you can just take five minutes to laugh and even if it feels stupid right because we're so worried about how we look or this is ridiculous for years people would say oh if you need to feel good put a sticky note on your mirror do you know you are beautiful i thought okay (laughs) You know? and so I'm sure it's the same when people think, yeah, I'm going to lie on my floor and laugh clown. But I promise it's huge, makes a huge difference. And even I did a photo shoot recently for a show and uh, they asked me, can you do some laughing? And I laughed and the whole room was laughing and I wasn't laughing at anything. But because they started laughing, I'm laughing more, do you know? So it's really important to just give yourself that release. It's a physical release. Another thing is to just breathe. And I do an exercise that's like a two minute thing where you just, you basically start in your forehead and it's pins and needles, you know, it's just this tapping, 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 tapping. You do down your face to get to your shoulders. It's like cupping all the way down your hand over the palm. I do Tarzan ah, across the chest, but you don't have to, if you're waiting outside of your caregiver's room, you can do it quietly and you go down and you do your belly and I'll just get up. And you go down and you do, you punch up your bones, good punches. You go all the way down your leg and you're just clapping all the way down to your feet, all the way back up. And you do the, the fingertips on your belly, all the way back up your chest, up to the top of your head. Take a big breath in and release it. And then I'll say, you know, I'll do this with my students at the top of class. One word you're feeling. And people, it comes out. Joy, relaxation, ready. It's two minutes. <laughs> That's all it is. We all have 2 minutes, not a 30-minute meditation. It's not an hour yoga class. It's just 2 minutes and gosh, it makes a huge difference because it changes you physically. Yep. So it's like to do a warm up like this, to do the laughter, physically it changes our state of being where I could say to myself, you're doing a great job. You're you're doing an awesome job. Okay, keep it together. Well, that may not work cuz I'm just a talking head. But physically to change how I feel, two minutes, two minutes of laughing, two minutes of that warm up. It, it just gets you out of your head and back into your body and into the present moment. Because mm-hmm. when we're tense, we're, again, we're thinking ahead. I'm dreading going in here. I'm dreading for what I'm going to have to say. I'm exhausted. I just want to go to bed. I just need a day off. I don't want to have to go through this. I don't want to have to repeat myself. Right? So if you nope. can just get and go, okay, I had a good laugh. I did this warm up. You go in and you're just ready to be with that person again, be in that moment. And self-care, I mean, I'm terrible at self-care. Honestly, I have a long way to go. And, and sometimes I think, I don't even know what that looks like, do you know? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, to take a weekend to go to some cottage and have myself. I mean, people don't have the, the time, the money. You know, you say that to a caregiver, they'll the laugh or cry. So I think it's, the, what are the little things we can do? If you can get a weekend away, oh, glorious. But what are the little things you can do? And I think if you could just take two minutes out to do that, physical warm up i call it but you could call mm-hmm. it whatever you want or um to have a, a laugh and again uh you can you don't need anything to laugh at just start laughing
0: yeah well and it, you're right it does it changes our chemistry in our body yeah. and and so everything's working at a different at a different level i know i do one that's just a a breathing exercise and i just tell people to take 10 deep breaths in and then exhale and on the inhale Ask your higher power, whoever that is, or if you don't believe in anyone but yourself, then ask yourself to give you whatever you need in that moment. don't be specific because we don't always know. And then on the exhale, I ask that all the the negatives and toxins in my mind, body, and soul go out. So all that negative talk that we have about I don't want to go into the room and I don't want to do this and I don't want to do that 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 just leaves the space. And I always feel so much calmer. After that, too. So there's lots of different ways to make that space in zippo time. So you can't use time as an excuse because even like that one you can do in the car. Very very simple to do. So you know at a stop sign or something. How do you reach out to to caregivers to to help them understand and kind of work with the situation? for themselves with the, with the one that they're caring for, as well as the, you know, the family dynamics and the friends can get a little complicated there too.
1: Well, yeah. And people say, I mean, we can count on people to say the wrong thing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know a friend of mine, even during COVID was like, well, why don't you just go shopping with your mom? You know, I thought that's a really big ask. <laughs> Do you yeah. know? Like, you know, and, and we I love to take her shopping. When she comes, we go to Target, there's a Starbucks, you know, but it's a three, three hours to in the dressing room, trying on things, keeping it light and joyful. So people don't have the same understanding. I think it's great to connect with other caregivers. I know Paula with her Facebook group and there's many Facebook like support groups like this where you can be a member and say how you feel. And I find it so refreshing. You know, people say how they feel. People say, I'm ready to give up. I'm ready to walk. And you need a place where you can say that. You need a place where you can say, I'm so done with this woman. I've had it with this guy and other people can go, I know where you are, and you're going to be okay.
0: And then they are done that; you'll get through it.
1: A hundred percent. And I think it's so important because caregiving. If you're a caregiver and this is what you do for a living, it's exhausted, and you're paid a salary, and you go home at the end of the day. But if you're a full-time caregiver, the sacrifice is outrageous. There's got to be a place where you can honestly express yourself in mm-hmm. an environment where you're supported and people understand more. Understand better what you're going through. Everyone's experience is their own, but for someone else to be able to say, yeah, that happened to me too. Or yes, my my person is also paranoid and thinks I'm stealing from them or whatever it is that that, that you're not alone in this. I think that's huge. And really reach out to other people without judgment. So I think like support groups are wonderful. I know for me, uh, discovering the Lewy Body Dementia Conference here was Huge, you know. Even in the dementia umbrella, Lewy body is the one that people don't seem to know as much about. People understand, have a better understanding, or at least have heard the word Alzheimer's or Parkinson's. But Lewy body is is like, what's that kind of thing? So to go to a conference where not only did everyone in the room know what it was, but they could answer my questions, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And and they were so much smarter than I am and had so much more knowledge than I do and experience it was incredibly refreshing. It was refreshing to be the person in the room who knew the least about this disease. And again, people just shared their stories. Mm-hmm. And I just think there's so much healing in storytelling. And even during COVID, I developed a workshop called Show Up and Write. And it was a virtual writer's writer's room. And lots of people would say, oh, I don't know if I should sign up. I'm not a writer. Do you know, like thinking you have to be a published professional writer. But again, it's like you're a storyteller. We've all told stories. We all have stories stories in our lives. Absolutely. And just the, again, the connection and the healing and just telling your story, you know, we all want to be heard. And for someone to be able to relate. And if it's personal, it's universal. <laughs> Do yep. you know what I mean? So I think just having that for me was huge. And so if there is a support group in your community, fantastic. If you can somehow connect with other caregivers, which I'm not a big social media person mm-hmm. at all but i have found facebook helpful for that and meeting Paula with her groups even when my mom has louis body dementia now that i'm aware of louis body dementia and i speak about it and i talk about it i'm surprised how many people in my life have reached out and say my father died of louis body dementia or my aunt has louis body dementia or my son has louis and you think oh it's wonderful. giving
0: information To have the conversation, to to bring it up and not be embarrassed. That is huge. You know, you had talked about, oh, just take your mom shopping. And people don't understand how environment changes or their mobility changes. So things are moving slower in all different types of, of aspects. Or there could be the noise factor or lights. Or, I mean, there's just so many different things that we need to teach people about. And then as far as the Facebook group, I will just give a plug also for the memory cafe directory. That's for uh, people with uh, a form of dementia in their care partners. But that allows them to build a peer group again, because so many family and friends fall away. And it gives them that safe place. And they have those both virtual and in person, you know, just depending on how how the COVID breakouts going in different areas there, but those are really deep, meaningful relationships. In the, and what I have found, you know, with these connections, if it's Facebook group like Paula's or or others out there, or if it's an in person meeting through the Alzheimer's Association or the Dementia Society, or and there's just so many, the memory cafes. These are places where where people start connecting, not just during the meeting, but you know, they can call them up during the middle of the night when they're not sleeping or shoot them an email to see if they're awake too. And and those things are really, really important to not feel alone on this journey. Can you explain, you use an expression about her brain is dying and and why you think that that is a helpful tool.
1: I just think if you say that people sort of go, oh, and it takes it takes everything else away of trying to try and explain what Lewy body dementia is for me. And I don't lose people when I say that. Do you know what I mean? Where, when I start explaining what Lewy body dementia is, people are like, okay, okay. Do you know? And it's so difficult. Even myself, I've read, I don't know how many books. I mean, when my mom got, you know, I was trying to figure out what she had. It was mm-hmm. a long time before she got diagnosed. I watched every DVD. I read every book, every website, you know, and I still can't really Explain it in simple terms. And so I just find to say her brain is dying. People go, oh, and they can imagine how that affects someone. And it's just really simple, quick way to explain it. Yeah. Because it it
0: affects everything we do.
1: Everything we do. And that's what people don't get. You know, it's like even the going shopping. Mm -hmm. Well, it can be 20 to 30 minutes to get in the car. Mm -hmm. Just get in the car. We don't have the seatbelt on yet. Yep. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And so people can understand that. Well, just go do this. We'll just do that. Do you know, there's so many things that can plan to do this. Well, that's, you know, you hope for the best and you've got to pivot and change. But I think that just is, it's just an understanding. It's an understanding why today she's slow. Uh, why it can only go this fast today, why we have to change plans. It's like, it's just simplifies it. Mm-hmm. it Simplifies it for her and for me and for everyone else. And I've found too, like she is so aware, which is great. She's in the stage where she has awareness and she will say like, she'll say, I'm really paranoid that this is happening. It's got to be Louie, you know, or I'm starting to see things again. I don't think they're there. It's Louie. She'll she'll say, shut up, Louie. you know yeah so it's just again like just the awareness and to say you know your brain is dying it's a bit like saying my heart's broken it's like again we can all understand something rather than making it this medical thing and this complicated thing it's just the simplicity her brain's dying so she's going to have a conversation differently than you her brain's dying so she's going to walk differently than you her brain's dying so she's going to eat differently than you and we should have extra forks at the table do you know? Yeah. It's just an understanding for me.
0: Well, and it's just a graciousness too. Of uh, you know, for me, one of the most frustrating things was why, why does this have to be so complicated? Yeah. This gets back to kind of the basics of Maslow's theory. You know, you're just down here. This is what's important. It's not all up here anymore. Um, the big, fancy, flashy stuff doesn't matter just like when we're younger, and we're when when we have children, and I know there's a lot of people that say, you know, don't don't relate me as an older person to a child, but there's a childlike state there. And that shouldn't be embarrassing. I mean, gosh, how many times would you love to be a kid doesn't have a care in the world doesn't feel this heaviness. That, That isn't a negative in my mind. But for some reason, we've we have these steps and these stages of life and, and it's like, you know what? Sometimes we fall down the steps.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And if you're childlike, thank God, (laughs) again, you have a better chance. Do you know what I mean? Because you're just in the moment and you're going to play. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it is complicated. So we can be complicated or we can try to simplify it. And I think too, just simplicity, you know, it's even like, you can focus on again this being a terminal illness this being something to grieve over and it is i'm not trying to take away the weight of it by any means it, it, it it's tragic a hundred percent and it's unfair and it's unwanted and it's it's not something we want anyone to have or experience but when we have it there has to be a sense of acceptance and an ex- and there has to be joy and playfulness. Otherwise it's, it's all going to be doom and gloom. And who wants to live like that? Nobody yeah. wants to live like that. And so I think it's just to gain that gratitude. Like I remember a, a question at the Louis body conference. What have you lost mm-hmm.
0: since you
1: received your diagnosis? Yeah. Okay. Everyone writing, writing, right. What have you gained? And I thought, oh, what have I gained? Do you know what I mean? Like, what has this disease given us? What, yeah. what have you gained? What just to think that way. It's it's refreshing and to to have gratitude for what we have, you know, to make those gratitude lists. It energizes us. It reminds us, I do have a lot instead of focusing on what I've lost, right? Which is where we sort of naturally go. And when we're comparing ourselves to other people, you know, you don't compare yourself often to someone who has less. It's mm-hmm. what you don't have that you want, do you know? So again, it's just the simplicity of it, and trying to find some kind of a lightness and a peace with it rather than it being this burden you have to carry.
0: Yeah. I, and I think there are so many wonderful gifts wrapped in this really strange package. And when, like you said, when you, when you take time, I mean, for me, and, and I I've said this and, and people think that I may be goofy with this, but I really think dementia's is here to teach us some lessons that we've lost about yeah. the importance of community and the importance of supporting one another and being in the moment and living kind of a improv life (laughs) because you can't, you, you know, you really can't control it. One of my favorite scenes by Harry Urban was he's like, you know, yeah, yeah, I agree. He's like, routines help, you know, living with dementia. But he says what everyone forgets is whose routine is it? Because if it's your routine and not mine, it's not going to help. And that's where the battles come and we push and we push and we push and they're not willing to change where if we drop it and go, okay, you can take a shower at three instead of, you know, 10 in the morning,
1: we'd all have a better day. Absolutely. And that's the thing. We we want them to be the same, right? We are yeah. desperate for them to yep. be the same. We want them to have the same relationship with us. We want them to act the same way. And when they don't, and it takes them longer, oh come on, I need you to be who you were. Yep. But we are not willing to change at all.
0: And yet we have changed and we're not the person we once were either. Well,
1: of course we're not.
0: <laughs> and no one's really willing to admit that.
1: No, of course not. We're not the ones with the problem, right? That's the ridiculousness of life. But that's the thing. It's like we have to be willing to take the detour. We have to be willing to take a step back and change. And, And that's also, I think, a huge problem. So it's not just the person in your life who's going through these huge changes and who needs to adjust. We forget we have to adjust. We have to change the way we approach things. We have to change who we are because we can't act the same way maybe either. We can't rush. We have to be patient. It's just that sense of it has to be a partnership and there needs to be this honest connection. And yeah, I agree. I feel like we've lost our sense of community in a lot of ways. I think COVID has shown us that, how important it is to connect, how important it is to take the time, and in the same, that that's what dementia is showing us, do you know? And, and as you said earlier, just how we treat people, that it's like, you know, you're approaching the end of your life or your senior years. I don't know that they're supposed to be the golden years. <laughs> I remember years ago reading a book co-written by David Suzuki, Wisdom of the Elders, about the First Nation people in Canada, I believe, maybe North America, but just the sense of the elders, first of all, not old people, elders, and how these people have lived the longest, so they have the most wisdom, so they were revered, you know, it's like that's who you go to for advice, you go to the 90-year-old elder, because they've lived, and that they're so well respected that that there's this sense of honoring who they are and this lifetime that they've lived and that it's a gift to hear their stories. Mm -hmm. And I find in our society, it's a bit, well, you know, they're a nuisance and uh, they have special needs now. So they need to go there. special needs. I mean, different needs, do you know? And, And so it's like, I don't know, as you say, I feel like we really need to examine how we treat the elders in our community, and bring a little bit more compassion and and kindness and respect.
0: Oh, I, I totally hands down with you on that one. Uh, one last question is, how has clowning affected or been affected by your caregiving role? Has that had an impact on it at all?
1: Oh, gosh, maybe just a reminder to be present in the moment. When I was performing with Cirque du Soleil, I did 470 shows a year. So even oh, wow. when i Yeah, so even when I'm in the moment, there's probably a part of me that's just in my routine. I always felt I gave 100% of myself, but I'm sure just you're in that mode and you know kind of thing. And so again, just a reminder to be present. And I think to really take time with people, to really look people in the eye and to give them to, to want that conversation, not I want you to stand here and do this, but a conversation again, just that sense, you know, you bring an audience member on the stage to make them look good. If you bring up an audience member to make fun of them, you're an an amateur and and, uh, you're not doing your job right. You know, you bring someone on stage to make them look good. So they have a wonderful night, wonderful experience. And so I think it's just a reminder again of that honesty and making someone look good and, and accepting someone for who they truly are and doing all that you can to see that they shine. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the thing about clown is that we accept ourselves, uh, our true authentic self, and we share our feelings and we share who we are and we share our flaws and our faults, and we have total self acceptance in order to make fun of ourselves, and I think with dementia again, well, with anything in life, I want every human being on the planet to have total self acceptance, and to be their true authentic self. But I think again, with having someone in my life whose brain is dying, you know, it's a reminder that I love her for who she is. Yeah, I love her for exactly who she is. And if she is changing, uh, I'm still loving her for her true authentic self. And that Nothing can change that for me, who she is, and I will always love her. And as things get more challenging for her, I will adjust, she will adjust, but it's about celebrating who she is. So if at some point she's unable to walk, I'm celebrating who she is now. That will be her truth. And we will just continue to be together, openly, honestly, and find joy. Do you know? Not deny ourselves our feelings, and just embrace each other with truth and integrity, and joy and laughter, <laughs> laughter and, and and silliness. So it's. I think that it's just that again, connection, being honest, being in the moment, and just that total acceptance. I think that's really helped me with my mom and the disease is just acceptance, accepting <laughs> that I can't change it. And what is the best, most joyful way that we can move forward? Do you know? And that's gonna change a year from now yeah. as the disease progresses. But again, it doesn't have to get worse. It can get better. It can actually get better depending how we pivot. It's just that sense of being present and adjusting as we can.
0: Well, you know, like you said, pivoting, adjusting, adapting. We can't control the disease, but we can control how we interact. If you can't walk, that doesn't mean you can't be mobile. You just can't be mobile the way you were. I remember, like, my mom used to love music. And so um, when she was in the nursing home, they would have um, sometimes some bands come in and she'd love to get up and dance. And so we danced. Well, then she was in a wheelchair. And so then I danced with her in the wheelchair, you know, she she can still, you know, scoot around and stuff. And then that didn't work. And then, you know, pretty soon we were kind of doing a hand dance. And then at the very end, we were just doing a pinky dance, but we were connected. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you just as a wrap up, and I don't know if you've ever done this in any of your sessions, but have you ever done one where people couldn't use words? Because I think that would be just so powerful for people because I I don't think people truly understand that three quarters of our communication is nonverbal because we're still, say my name. You know, (laughs) we're (laughs) we're doing those things, you know, and teaching them how to read other things without without the words because we all want to be in conversation. But I think what we really need to focus on is we need to be in communication. Yeah. And communication yeah. comes in many different forms.
1: A hundred percent. And again, laughing. Do you know we can do laughing with someone who, who cannot communicate verbally. And we can also cry together. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing. Laughing and crying, it's, it comes from the same place. So it's also let yourself cry. Let yourself cry with your person. Let yourself cry by yourself. Laugh and cry in your bedroom. But absolutely, we can do things and we do do things silently. One thing I do at the top of every workshop is a dance party. So you're all let into the Zoom room at once and we're just dancing, do you know? And as you say, you don't have to be a professional, amazing dancer. You're dancing with your pinkies with your mom. So it's just being physical in that way instead of verbal. Also just sitting with someone. That's the other thing. We've got to fill the silence. Oh my goodness. Talk, <laughs> talk, 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 talk. It's like, so much is said just sitting with someone and i see a lot of people you know visit friends family members and they stand next to them and it's like what do you you know if i come to your house for a coffee Lori? i hope you're not going to stand next to me while we're having coffee you know we're going to sit together on your couch or be together so it's just relax
0: don't be rushing me back out the door <laughs>
1: And also, you know, you standing me, there's a status now, do you know, you're, it's as if you've come to give me instructions or you've got, you're going to give me a lecture or tell me to do something, but, or you're checking on me, but you haven't come to see me, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's about sitting next to that person on their bed. If they're in a bed, then that's where you sit. They don't have to get into a proper chair if they can't, but that you're there or that you kneel next to the bed so that you can be sitting with them like this, that you're not removed. So not being afraid to get close, not being afraid to just look each other in the eyes. I do an exercise, present yourself, where you don't speak and you just come out and you look at everyone in the room and you have a fearless conversation without using words and people laugh in hysterics. They cry and they don't know the people in the room. It's just that connection in the moment. And it's so powerful because, you know, if you go on the elevator, you know, you're going to floor three, so, but you're looking, you're just looking for it. You're, you're not looking or engaging around you. You sit on the bus, you look straight. We've been conditioned not to engage, quite mm-hmm. frankly. So it's just just engaging and not having to fill the silence, that the silence is already full and that we can say more sometimes just by being together and being present. or listening to music, whatever it is, but we don't have to just think, Oh, well, you know, it's not like they're going to say anything. So I guess I won't go or they're not happy to see me or they're not. They are, they are happy to see you. And yes, you should go 100% and just be present together.
0: Don't you think sometimes people are looking for excuses not to go? I mean, I even found that with my friends, some of them, they would ask, does your mom still know you? And there were two camps there was one that really wanted to know. And then there's the other one that wanted to give me permission to not go back because they were so uncomfortable with not knowing what to say or how to support me. That And, and, and that, when I, when I realized that, it was like, wow. I mean, I, that was just a real wow moment because it had nothing to do with my mom or me. It had to do with their comfort level. And so I think that's something that we have to be, aware of not just how is our person doing that we're we're caring and loving how are we doing but how are others what are their perceptions cuz they're not always the same
1: no and i think even it's like a lesson I've learned is how much I share because even when my mom comes to Vegas to visit, you know, everyone's like, Oh, that's going to be such a great break for you. And, you know, someone else can do the make the dinners or she can do the stuff with the kids. And the reality of course, is that when she comes we take care of her. And people I find can't really, at times I feel a bit judged almost, or that they feel bad for me then, and they don't know what to say. And even, you know, something with my mom, I help her shower. And, and it is very emotional to shower your mother, of course. But again, we have a laugh. I remember the first time she thought, oh, Shannon, I can't believe that who would have ever thought you'd have to help me? And it was emotional. And then and then we would just giggle. Uh, she refers to her breasts as her hanging baskets. So I'm in there and I'm and it's cramped and I'm trying to keep her warm and shampoo. And, and she tells me what she thinks. You know, if I'm if I'm not doing it the way she wants it, she lets me know. And we'll, I'll sit there and she'll go, well, what are you waiting for? And I'll say, well, I don't know. Are, are you lifting the hanging baskets or am I? And then she'll just laugh. <laughs> and, and, and she lifts her baskets, you know, and I, I have the hose underneath and, and it's like, you've just got to have a giggle again. So it's like, well, oh, well, I help my mom. It's like, there's this, this feeling of, oh, you poor thing. Or you know, when my mom comes, she, she organizes the birthday party and the gift bags and bakes the cake. And, oh, you know, you have to do that. But on the other hand, it's quite a gift that we have that closeness and that intimacy and that trust and that humor together. And while I don't want my mother to have this disease, I wouldn't change that trust. I wouldn't trade that intimacy or that ability to just be together. Me in a swimsuit and her naked in the shower, Mm -hmm. asking her if she's going to lift those baskets. (laughs) That is such love. So, so again, that's something I've gained. Yeah, it's,
0: I think it makes us appreciate the different levels of unconditional love. I know I, I I thought I knew unconditional love when I got married. And then I thought I knew it when I had a child. But then in caring, my dad had brain cancer, my mom had dementia. In caring for them, it was like, oh my gosh, there's so many different levels that you can get to. And it really is, for me, it it really became very spiritual and very comforting to, to be able to love at that level. Like, because again, both parties feel so safe. No one ever feels out of place. Even when I was having a tough day or something, I could, even if my mom wouldn't talk back, I could tell her about my day and not feel judged or anything. And though I knew she was hearing me, but she couldn't necessarily respond in the way that I wanted just to be able to let that out in front of somebody I trust or like you said, just sitting on the couch without words, holding someone's hand or just being in their presence. Those things are so overlooked in our fast paced world. And again, I think there's so many gifts. This has just been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I can't thank you enough. Now people can go to your website. Do you want to tell them what that is?
1: Yeah, it's my name. It's Shannon And I spell Shannon with two A's. There's no O's. So it's S-H-A-N-N-N. com. Got a couple of workshops coming up, actually, um, virtual playground. So if you need a laugh <laughs> or you just want to connect with some other people, I'd love to meet you.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. And we also have posted the information for the Roseville Alzheimer's and Dementia Community Action Team as well. Um, This is part of Series 2, but we'll have the list for Series 1 as well. And I just wanna thank uh, them and the friends of the Roseville Library as well for helping us put this together. Uh, Thank you so much, everyone. Um, Don't keep this a secret. I I think there were a lot of great nuggets that Shannon gave us. So like, click and share this with other people. Don't keep that information to yourself. There's too many people that need the support and the resources that were given here today. So thank you. Thank you so much, Lori.